to tell you, um, no matter what church that you come from, no matter how far you've traveled, we're all sisters in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so we are going to worship tonight and we are going to enter into his presence together as the family of God. And I am so excited for that. I've been waiting for it and praying for it. And so I just want you guys to get ready to receive from him because he has a word for each and every one of you tonight. Amen. Whatever answer you've been asking him for, whatever thing that you need to receive, put your faith out. Because I promise you, God is going to meet you where your faith is. Amen? All right. So if you just want to stand up, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for tonight. We just glorify you in this place tonight for your faithfulness, God, for your goodness, God. You are so good and you are so worthy, God. We glorify you. Just lift your voice. We glorify you, God. We glorify you, God. You are so good. You are so good. You're so good, God. And we just love you so much. And we set our expectation on you, God. We set our expectation on you, God, because you are the faithful one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. won't prosper when the darkness falls it won't prevail cause a God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail my God will never fail Okay. 
you take, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, you turn it for good, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, you turn it for good. Victory, yeah. 
of a couple of Psalms in uh, the Old Testament, Psalm 149 and Psalm 150. Psalm 149 um, just says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand new song. You know, have you ever just listened to a song over and over and over? It just keeps, you know, Christmas is coming. I love Christmas carols, but I'm telling you, when December 25th comes, December 26th comes, I'm glad that I don't have to hear, baby, it's cold outside. There's just some songs that you hear over and over and over again. You're like, we need a new song. You know, and sometimes in our lives, we need to open up our mouth and we need to sing a new song. We need to sing a different song than, Lord, help me, I'm drowning. Lord, don't you care about me? Lord, don't you see that I'm suffering here? Don't you see that I'm dying here? Don't you see that, no, I, I need you. We need to open up our mouth and sing a new song that says, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you for mercy in my life. Thank you for your grace in my life. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved me, delivered me, set me free. That needs to be our new song that we sing. That needs to be a new song that we sing. It goes on down to say in verse 4, For he enjoys his faithful lovers, 
He adorns the humble with his beauty and he loves to give them the victory. You are his faithful lovers and he has adorned you with beauty. When he looks at you, he sees. He sees beauty. He sees grace. He sees love. He doesn't see all the scars that we see. He sees something completely different. He sees something, it's a different perspective. He sees you in your wholeness. He doesn't see you in brokenness. And so we sing praises to him and it goes on and says in verse six, God's high and holy praises fills their mouth for they shouted praises. They, for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. Listen, I love giving my praise to God, but I know that it's doing more than just lifting me up. I know it's also, it's also stealing the enemy. It's also shutting up the enemy. Because and we did this a few weeks ago. When, when you're shouting praises to God, when you're singing your praises to God, you can't hear all the outside commotion that's going on. You can't hear what everybody else is saying to you. You're only hearing what you're pouring out of your mouth, and then you're hearing what else God is saying back to you. Let's lift up our hands all over the building. Let's just give one more great shout of praise. Glory. Thank you, Father. You are worthy. You are holy. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Oh, we worship you tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we see the victory. We see the victory. We see the victory. In Jesus' name, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Well, let's turn up the lights in the house tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, it's it's been oh, just about knocked over decoration to you. I've got to stay away. <laughs> it's a good thing they aren't real fire. It's not real fire in there. Um, I'd be in real trouble. Um, hey, just a side note. We do Christmas candlelight here um, service on Christmas Eve, and we use real fire. And one day we were, one, one year we did it, and some guy was standing behind his wife, and he caught her hair on fire. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, you're on fire, you know. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh, fun, fun, fun. But thank you so much for being here. I want you to turn around and uh, shake hands with somebody that you don't know and introduce yourself and love on people. You guys did great. Thank you. Looks awesome. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Well, glory. Well, I am so excited that you are here. And, uh, thank you so much for joining us in our Women of Valor conference. Um, Pastor Nancy was asking me last night if we do one of these every year. We do not. Um, some years we go three or four years in a row and we do one and then we take time off and then, but here we are this year. And, and uh, so I am so excited to um, have you with us. And if you are a 
minister, a pastor's wife, a minister of your own right, um, God called, and you, somebody else besides, my pastor says that somebody else besides you knows it. I, <laughs> I would like for you to stand and uh, just let everybody know there's several ministers and pastor's wives and minister's wives and hallelujah. And then I know that there's a lady here that drove up five hours. Where are you? Look at you go, girl. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Besides Nancy and Pastor Nancy and Pastor Ruby, who else came further than five hours? All right. Well, hallelujah. Good for you. And you're from the Fort Wayne area? Is that? Um, yeah. Remind me where that is. Oh, Indianapolis. Yeah, okay. That's, I knew that it was down around that way. Yeah, yeah. So bless her heart. You better have a good word tonight. She drove five hours. <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. Hallelujah. Well, again, I just want to say welcome and um, thank you for being here. I also would like for my leadership team who helped put this together, who really did all the work, I would like for you to stand or step forward. So, yes, so um, where's the rest of them? Where's, um, there you are. You're not going to stand? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Tia was in charge of pulling a team together and do the decorating, and she was in here Wednesday night with her team, and she was cracking the whip, man. She was like... <laughs> And her husband was here, and finally he sat down, and I said, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I kind of figured I should just get out of the way for a little while. <laughs> but we kind of pulled all of our resources together from our, I mean, I decreated my decorations at my house. Richard was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm taking these to the church. They'll be back. It's okay. Come Sunday, they'll be back up, and everything will be fine. And he's like, Okay, and so we start with then we seem to go now you're just getting a little cocky. So anyway, yeah, so they did an awesome job and it looks beautiful, don't you think? So yes. Outside as you came in, you saw a red bench. You're welcome, or you can take pictures anywhere here, but you're welcome to stop at the red bench and have a picture taken or have a friend take a picture or a whole group of you, whatever, and um, just enjoy it. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It looks good. It looks good. Hallelujah. So um, I don't think there's anything else business-wise except that I do want to go ahead and take Pastor Nancy's offering. You know, you registered for the conference, and you paid for the conference, and thank you so much. And that has covered the expenses of the conference. So we don't have to take a conference offering. Isn't it great to go somewhere and know that it's covered? You know, we don't have to do anything else. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. We had a couple people that, that offered scholarships so that ladies could come, and that was gracious. That was wonderful. But tonight, we want to be a blessing to the woman of God who is going to bring the word. You know, it says to in the scripture, it says to give honor where honor is due. And um, we became acquainted with Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne Several years ago, how long ago did we say, 1987, 88, and they were freshly married, not too long. What year were you guys married? 84. So, 
she was just this young minister's wife coming in, and and uh, we we had a mess where we were at, and um, they came in, and Dr. Dufresne began to preach, and I, I told her, I said, I don't remember what he preached on, because I think that he prophesied the whole time to the principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness that were strangling us at that time, and um, there was a intercessor that was there that knew them, and she, she was just little older lady and a woman of season and she was an intercessor and she was there and he said Mrs. T. Fertiller I want you to come up and lay hands on Richard and pray over him well you know those of you that know Richard he's six foot six and so he he kind of bent down so that she could kind of touch she grabbed him by the ears and drug him all over the front of that sanctuary and I think a couple of times, and then let him go, and down he went. Now, those of you that know Pastor Richard, he doesn't go down very often. Um, I could probably count on one hand the time that he's been down. But um, and then she came after me, and so I thought, well, instead of her coming after me, I'm going to go to her, and I didn't even get to her, and I was down. Now, that's nothing unusual for me to be out, but... You know, so, and it just changed our lives. It just set us free, just spending time, and, and, and then just spending time underneath that anointing. And then over the years, we had the privilege of being with them a few times. And then a few years ago, I was over at Dr. Barclay's, and she was there preaching at Dr. At Vicky's, uh, Mrs. Barclay's uh, women's conference. And uh, she was talking about her home that God gave her. And I had had it in my heart to get a home, a different home of where we lived. We lived right here in Breckenridge and beautiful home. It wasn't a need, it was a want. I wanted this farm. And we kind of just put it off. You know, huh, okay. Maybe maybe someday. Went down, went over and heard her preach the word. Built my faith. And I was like we're going to buy that farm. And I came home, I said, Richard, we're going to buy that farm. He goes, what? <laughs> so I tell people, I said, I got my dream, and Richard works my dream. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's whenever you find somebody who speaks faith to you, whenever you find somebody who uplifts you, you know, you should always have somebody ahead of you that is, up for, that is not too far ahead of you, but is ahead of you that you can, you can follow after, that you can reach after, that you can say, that's somebody I want to go after. And Pastor Nancy is one of those people in my life that I'm like, that's somebody that I, 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 want, to, I want to aspire to have the word in my life like she has in her life. I want to believe God for things in my life like she's believing God for things in her life. She encourages me. She uplifts me. So I want to encourage you tonight to um, give in this offering. And um, there's offering envelopes in the back of the chairs. And you can make your checks out to AGC or Amazing Grace Church or a Amazing Grace. And you spell 1,000, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D. Okay? So let's go ahead and stand if you have your checks ready or your money ready. And... Um, can we get um, the ushers to, I'm sorry, Ken, I forgot. Oh, there you go. There, thank you. Thank you, Tony. 
I tell you what, you're ready in season and out. You're awesome. You're awesome. So hallelujah. Hold your offering up in, in the air and let me just pray over it. Father God, I thank you, Lord. These women have <clears throat> sacrificed to be here tonight. Some of them had to make arrangements for babysitters, husband sitters. Lord, bless the one house that has husbands at it and six kids under four tonight, Lord. Speak peace, peace over them tonight. Lord God, I just uh, thank you, Father, for these ladies. And Lord, as they're sowing into Pastor Nancy's life tonight, Father, I know, and I know that they're going to come to find out. Maybe they don't know, but I know that some of them already do know. This is good ground. And Lord, we're going to reap. Uh, we're going to reap spiritually, Lord, which is what we need. We need a spiritual encounter. We're going to reap spiritually. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore the heart that's
and uh, I've already kind of introduced Nancy, so I just want you to set your hearts and just from that anointing that is within her, that's on her. Pastor Richard, um, when he introduced, was introducing her over the last few weeks to our congregation, he said, this is a woman that has the gift of faith. And we believe that. We believe. So if you are believing for loved ones, healing, finances, whatever, a revival in your own life, I just want you to draw on that anointing that's within her. Pastor Nancy, let's give her a great welcome tonight. Thank you, Thank you Pastor Sharon. Are you turned on? Yes, I am. Good evening, everyone. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful to be here tonight. We've come to hear what heaven would say to us. And we thank you for words that bring heaven to earth tonight. We thank you, Father, for your plan for this service. And we've come to cooperate with that plan. We've come to respond to that plan, but with it, more glory awaits us on the other side of it. So we welcome change, for we are changed from glory to glory. And so we thank you for impartations, revelations. We thank you for answers. And we thank you for your word tonight. It is our source. And we're so grateful that it has taken our life and set it on course. And we purpose not just to be hearers, but to be doers of what we hear tonight. And we give you thanks and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Good evening, ladies. I'm so glad to be here with you. Uh, ladies' meetings are particularly fun, don't you think? <laughs> Why? Because there's no one else to attend to here but ourselves. <laughs> And uh, so I'm so thankful to get to be with you. We're on the first leg of a, we're going on a three-city tour. We go up to New York after this and then on to Canada. And so we're just glad to get to stop with you. And I'm so thankful for your pastor for booking me before the snow came. <laughs> I can't tell, you know, I'm from Southern California. My blood runs a little bit different than your, than your blood does. And so... I'm not originally from Southern California, but I've been out there for, oh my goodness, around 30 years or so now. And so uh, I've been there long enough for my temperature to readjust. <laughs> my thermometer has changed directions. And uh, so we're just glad to get to be with you. Then I brought somebody with me, Pastor Ruby Ramos. Stand up with, uh, with me if you would. Uh, give her a great big God bless you. Uh, her, her and her husband have been uh, around our ministry. How long now? What, 97, 98 when you got hooked up with? Yes, 97. 97. So they've been around the ministry a good long time. And then she travels with me most every place I go. But sometimes I go too long. And so I have to shift out, you know, and, and have different shifts come in. And so, <laughs> but most of the time she's the first shift. And so uh, her and her husband, Pastor in the San Diego area, about an hour south of us. And so they have moved to our city and uh, they teach in our, we have a full-time Bible school, so they teach in that. And then they also run our daily prayer and healing school. And then she travels with me. And I have to remind her, you do have a husband. <laughs> and so I, I have to leave her at home sometimes and act like she's a married lady. 
but uh, I'm glad she came with me. I bring her because she's fun. If you're, if you're no fun, you need to stay home. Because when you're on the road, you know, you, you, you just have a good time. And so uh, I, I'm, I appreciate her coming. And uh, we always are impressed with God that here I was raised on a farm in Oklahoma and she was raised in Manila, Philippines. And God said, yeah, that's a good fit. <laughs> and so here we are together. And uh, we're just glad to get to, to be with you ladies. And uh, we want to let you know of a few items back at the book table. We have these, um, there's five different brochures out there for you to get hold of. They're free of charge. So pick them up if you would like. And um, actually you can even download them. For those of you who like things on your devices, you can just go to our website and you can download these and other things. So there's uh, a couple on healing, one on healing and one on how to keep your healing. How many of you know everything you receive from God, the devil is busy trying to steal it from you? Why? Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The best way to keep him from stealing it is implement it. If it's laying around unused, it's available to him. That means uh, we've got to be doers. Amen. And so that is out there. Uh, you know, it matters where you go after you're healed. Yes, it does. And I, I, I address that in here because so many times people don't realize how they live their life and conduct their life afterwards determines how wide open the door is yep. to opposition. And so those are out there. Then we have one on prayers. I took this from uh, much of my own prayer, my own prayer time that I use and compiled it, how to pray for your nation, how to pray for your pastor, Pray for fellow believers, and it's just basically an abbreviated version, but at least it'll give you a good place to start. And so that is out there. And then we also have just a sampling of some of the in him scriptures. When you find out who you are in him, you quit living the way you've been putting up with stuff. Amen. And uh, then we have also uh, the greatest marriage counseling you could have is in this one little thin thing called love. And uh, it's basically about eight different translations on uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And Dad Hagen used to, he was our spiritual father. And uh, he used to say to ministers that he would need to counsel when they were having marriage issues. He would say, in the morning, I want you to read to one another out of that passage, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. He said, you read this to one another and you say, I am patient, I'm kind and toward you. And they would say it to each other. And he said, then when you get in bed at night, you say it again. And, uh, you know, people don't realize uh, what you're saying is what's tripping you up. And if you say the right thing, you quit tripping up over things. And he recognized that. And so he was getting them to say the right thing. And so those are out there. So you're welcome to get hold of them. And uh, like I said, they're free of charge. So pick up as many copies as you want. And then we also, this book just came out, what, maybe a week or two ago, Pastor Ruby on worship. And so uh, this came out of, um, this came out of something. Have you ever heard of Brother Norval Hayes? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a precious man of God. I got to, I got to meet so many precious generals in the body of Christ through 30 years of, of being married to the man I was married to. And today, today in fact, is his, the anniversary of my husband's home going. And so it's been six years today, but through almost 30 years of ministry together, we got to be around some of God's most precious generals and leaders. And I so value that privilege. Uh, no, no one's blessed my life like men of God. 
And uh, I, so, I so appreciate what they brought. And Brother Norval Hayes was one of those men. Uh, the first time I met him, uh, Ed and I had just been married a few months. We were in the back room at, I, I believe it was at a Dad Hagen meeting, and we were in the back room, and there were a lot of ministers there. And uh, so my husband took me over to Brother Norval, and him and Brother Norval had a relationship for years, and he said, Brother Norval, I want to introduce my wife to you. And so Brother Norval was one of a kind. I don't know if you ever got to, but very unique. Yeah. He was... Um, he, he was a bachelor for years because when he, he got saved and went into the ministry, his wife wasn't interested in that. And so that, that spilled the end of their marriage. And so for years, he was a bachelor from his 30s. And I think, I don't know what he get married in his late 60s, early 70s, something like that. So he was a bachelor for so many years. And so it was so cute. He was standing, uh, we, we were talking and Ed was introducing me and he was talking to Ed, but looking at me. <laughs> And he said, oh, Ed, I wish God would give me a, you know, a young, beautiful wife, you know, because I was 20 years younger than my husband. And so, um, so he said, oh, I wish God would give me a pretty young wife. And then he'd say, Ed, and so he's, uh, Ed's over here. And he's looking at me, Ed, can I kiss her? Just let me kiss her. Come on, Ed, let me kiss her. And I, he said, no, Norma, you can't kiss my wife. You know, he's just teasing, but just to harass him. But he was a precious man, but that day, uh, he, he was staying at our same hotel, so he said, can I ride back with you uh, to the hotel? And we said, sure. So uh, he didn't know it, but this little gal, I was 23 at the time that I met him. And uh, when you marry someone who's been in the ministry almost 20 years and really had a leading voice, uh, you don't get tested at your level, you get tested at their level. And so whatever you hook up with, that's a level that's going to oppose you. And... Uh, so I had all kinds of opposition that, I, that was new to this Methodist girl. You see, I was raised Methodist. I only been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost a short amount of time. And so all this was kind of new to me. And there was all kinds of opposition and things that were coming. And, and Brother Norval, when we arrived at the hotel, it was just about a 10-minute drive. But he sat in the car for the next 45 minutes. And by the Spirit, he answered every single thing that was opposing me. I had not said a thing to my husband about it. I hadn't said a thing to him. But by the Holy Ghost, he just sat and for 45, minute gave, 45 minutes gave me answer after answer after answer that shut down that season of opposition. So you don't forget men like that. People who have the help of God in their mouth for your life and people who care enough about you to pay attention to this little 23-year-old girl when he had a worldwide ministry. And so I always, I always valued and appreciated this precious man of God. And uh, in about 2012, and he came and would preach for us at, at our church through the years at different times, but we hadn't seen him in a real long time. In about 2012, the Spirit of God sent me, he said, I want you to have Brother Norval at your church. And so I, I, I heard that, but I didn't seem to be prompted to contact him. And so uh, then my husband went home to be with the Lord in 2013. And right after that, Brother Norval called me. And he said, Nancy, he said, I'm going to be coming through your area. And he said, I just wanted you to know I'd be there and I'm available if you'd, if you'd want me. And I said, Brother Norval, I would absolutely want you. So for the next four years, he came and spent time with us. And we spent weeks and weeks together at those times. And he would sit for hours and talk to me about these uh, for 
about Catherine Coleman and, and the different revivals he had been in. And he'd sit in my home and we would just for hours, I'd take notes or I'd video things. And it was so precious to hear this man who was getting ready to leave the scene, looking for someone hungry enough to leave it behind with, you know? And it's, it's so important that we value the revelations that come through men of God and people of God because God is needing them to be stewarded. Uh, and so he was a man who taught faith and healing, but he taught it from the place of worship, living a life of worship. And he taught the flow of faith in the flow of worship. And so uh, after he went home to be with the Lord, I, I, I was led by the Holy Ghost to again start pulling out some of his materials, watching his sermons online, and I spent hours and hours listening again to the, the, the wonderful revelations that came through this man of God. And I said to my daughter-in-law, I told her I'd been doing that. And she said, well, mom, God's been having me do the same thing. And we didn't know it. She's at her house watching the same stuff I'm watching. And um, so I, I was getting ready to do, to do a week-long conference in, in Central California. And I was prompted to preach the direction of worship. And so I was getting ready for the service that first night of the conference and I was in my hotel room and I, as I was getting ready that night, I looked off and standing over there close to the bathroom door was an angel standing there. And I walked over there and I said, I recognize you're here. What is it you've come to bring? See, when God manifests like that, you have to respond. Yeah. You understand? Uh, my husband made a statement years ago. He said, the, pe the reason people don't receive more in a service is because they don't respond more. We will receive to the measure we respond. Amen. And so it matters how we respond when God is manifesting and when the word is going out. If we treat it like casual, if we treat it unimportant, it will just pass us by. But if we will in faith and in hunger reach out and say, that's my help, that's my word, that's my answer. And so I, uh, I said to, when that angel showed up, I, I walked over and said, I recognize you're here. What have you come to bring? And he said, I have come to bring and impart the, uh, the utterance for the revelation given to Brother Norville. So I recognized this. God was looking for someone to steward the revelation. Yeah, right. You see, just because a man of God brought a revelation, when he leaves the earth, if people aren't careful, people will let that revelation drop and the light will go out in certain, in certain areas. And so uh, I, I, not to say that I'm the only one, but I paid attention that someone needs to steward it. And so uh, God, God has allowed me to do that. And so I, I've been I have been teaching quite a lot along that line. And then he had me to put it in a book. So this is that that came out of that. And I wasn't, this is not a repeat of Brother Norval's sermons, but it is a stating of the revelations that God gave. And so that is out there. You don't want to, you don't want to miss it. It's, uh, it'll, it'll change your life. Doing this for one and a half days to where the things that I teach in here, uh, I had been having certain, certain things that I was dealing with for four years. And in one and a half days of just giving an all out effort towards worshiping God, shutting everything else out after one and a half days, it had, that situation changed after four years. One, one and a half days of worshiping God. Uh, I, I tell you, uh, worshiping God is one of the highest flows of faith you can enter into. Yes. And so uh, that book is out there. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. And then we have this one, uh, Answer It. 
Um, so many times people are waiting for the devil to leave them alone and they've forgotten you're in charge. Satan is our subject. We are his master. We are not subject to him. We have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We are seated far above, not barely above, far above. And too many times we're putting up with stuff, waiting for God to intervene, and He's waiting for us to pick up our authority and to command our authority and to use our authority and change things and run things off and make sure that things don't stay in the wrong direction. Amen. And so uh, this in 12 years, I had gone through four different tests over a matter of the last 35 years and uh, four different tests that a total lasted 12 years. And it was just nothing but me learning the revelation that I put in this book. It took me 12 years to learn it, articulate it, put handles on it, because spiritual truths are not easy to articulate. And I had, I looked everywhere. When I would go through certain tests, I would look for certain teachings to help me with that test. And I couldn't find anything that spelled out steps to take. Just give me steps to take. I'll take them. And I couldn't find it that spelled it out in such a way that I could get a handle on it. And so I told God, I said, if you'll help me to learn it in such a way that I can put handles on it for people so I can pass it to them. And so this book, it took me 12 years to learn what's in here, but you get, you get the steps that are lined out in this book. And I tell you what, uh, you start living like the master you are. Amen. And so that is out there. Then this book, uh, we just got this one back into print. It's been out of print for a while. His presence shall be my dwelling place. Living mindful of the greater one that's on the inside of you. So those are out there. We want you to get hold of them. They'll be a blessing to you uh, because it will accelerate some things spiritually. And uh, when, when God has us as ministers to, uh, to spend some time uh, gaining and just gaining revelation and putting it down, it's kind of like a scientist in a lab. You know, you had these medical scientists that they go in for years and years and years and they work with all these different combinations of chemicals and drugs and all this to come out with cures. And they can come out in just one moment and inoculate you what took them years to learn. Right. That's, what that, that's what that book table is. It's, it's spiritual lab work. And my life is laying on that table, so treat that, <laughs> treat that table nicely, would you? <laughs> Amen. God said something to me. I just... Uh, I just came back off of a five and a half week tour. And on that tour, God said something to me. He said this, it's time for miracles. Amen. And when he said that, I, 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 want to, I want to make it clear. How many of you know it's always time for miracles? It's not like God has always assigned that miracles can only happen in a certain season. But when he makes a declaration like that, it's because he's opening a window to it. Amen. And he wants us to pay attention yes. and look into that. Your life needs miracles. Yes. Yes. Our life needs miracles. Because miracles are not just something that's always spectacular. Miracles can be when $10 that you needed that you didn't have showed up. I don't care if it's only $10. It was something beyond your ability. It was something beyond what you produced. 
And uh, so many times there are things that are happening, happening miraculously and we're not really acknowledging them as, they, as we should because they might not look so spectacular. But it doesn't matter whether or not it's spectacular. If it's supernatural, it needs to be regarded. Amen. Uh, we've gotten the privilege of spending a lot of time with Brother Richard and Lindsay Roberts as of late, and they've ministered quite a lot for us in our church. And he made a statement uh, that his dad said, and I don't know, maybe I had said this before when I was with Pastor Vicki, I don't know, but uh, we, we made this statement in repeating uh, Brother Oral Roberts, every day miracles are coming to you or going past you. Well, when God said to me just uh, last month, it's time for miracles. What's that mean? It means that it's time for us to become skillful toward the flow of miracles. So we have to realize this. Miracles don't just happen. Miracles are very much a flow of something that someone took purposeful steps. And, the, and a miracle was a result of purposeful steps. And too many times people and people who are untaught or people who have, have not developed their faith, who have not developed spiritually, they're sitting back and waiting for God to dump something on them. And uh, we're instructed, uh, Jesus made this statement. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Notice that. This word suffereth, we would better say that the kingdom of heaven invites violence. And then it goes on and says what violence and defines the violence that he's speaking of. The kingdom of heaven suffereth or invites violence and the violent take it, take it, take it. By force. What force? The force of faith. Amen. Amen. So if we're not taking it, we won't have. Even though we may need it, it's up to us taking it. And so many people are waiting for God to give it, and He's waiting for us to take it. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I tell you what, develop your faith. Amen. Develop your faith. What is faith? Faith is simply an action of taking. I take hold of everything God has provided and made available to me. I refuse to leave it on the table unclaimed. Amen. I'm taking it. So when God said, He said, it's time for miracles. Basically, He's saying miracles are available. It's waiting for someone with the violence of faith to take it. Amen. Take it. God said to me, uh, Pastor Sharon was talking about the home God gave me. Uh, I moved out of that home. I, I had moved into it. I moved out of it because we're, we uh, shortly are going to start renovating it. And I moved out of it, moved into the previous home. I, I meant to sell the previous home, but evidently God had a different idea. So now I have three homes and uh, I'm just, you know, just living, just living one, you know. And uh, when I was, though, in the, in it's uh, Sister Amy's castle, Amy Self McPherson, right across the lake is uh, an old historical building. And God said to me, it, it used to be, they built it to be a, um, a country club. So it's this wonderful building that sits on 42 acres that's right on the lake. It's the only 42 acres undeveloped around that lake. And I was looking out across the lake out my, my bedroom window and God asked me a question. He said, do you want that building? Yeah. 
Now listen, do you want that building? And that's the last thing he said at that point. I said, I sure do. I love historical things. I, I appreciate, and this thing is just, ah, it's just, la, 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 it's great. And so he said, do you want this? And I said, I do. And then a couple of days later, he said this, faith can have it. He didn't say you can have it. He said, faith can have it. Let me tell you, everything he's provided is not just made available to us. It's made available to faith. Anybody who has faith can come get it. Amen. So the things that God has for your life is waiting for your faith to show up. Now pay attention to that. It says, uh, this is the victory that overcomes the world, what, our faith. You know what it means? Your victory is waiting for your faith to show up. Yeah. It's all, your victory is already prepared, but you have to arrive with your faith and lay hold of. And whether you know it or not, 95% of what you receive from God is initiated by you. Now that is something you need to take note of. 95% of what you receive from God is initiated by you, not by God. God just makes everything available. He lets you know provisions available. He lets you know health is available. Victory is available. Peace is available. Uh, abundance is available. And then he says, it's available. Now come get it if you want it. I said to my son, I have two sons. One of them's 34. The other was 25. I, could only, I, I appreciate you ladies that have them so close together. That's very heroic. And I knew my limits, and that was not me. I do one a generation. So I waited nine years. And uh, so I said to my 25-year-old son, he doesn't live with me. He has his own home and stuff, and he works for the ministry, and he'll end up being the pastor he's starting right now to step into that role. And uh, I said to him the other day, I said, son, you're going to get married anytime." He said, yeah, I'll get married. But he's so social that if he dates someone that cuts down on his social life so much that it's a little hard for him to cut some cut down, you know, on the social life. Because, I mean, why go out with one when you can go out with 15? You know, it's just like, you know, they just go in a group that, you know, all the guys and the girls, they just have a good time together. So it's fine with me. But I said, I'm just going to tell you, son, if you don't bring it up to God about a wife, he probably won't. I want, to know, I want you to know about the home, about the job, about what's in your heart. If you don't bring it up, God probably won't. What am I saying? 95% of what you receive from God's initiated by you. Waiting for God to talk to them about something and he's waiting for their hunger and faith to reach for it. Well, praise the Lord. So when he said to me, it's time for miracles, he's declaring something. He's letting us know miracles are laid out and available. Come get them. So when he says it's time for miracles, that's probably about all he'll say to me about it in that respect. Now he's waiting for me to take action toward what he just said. Amen. That's what faith is. Just taking action toward what God said. Taking action, making movement toward what he said. So he said to me, it's time for miracles. That means that he's waiting for someone to become skillful enough to flow with miracle power. Brother Norville talks about the time that him and Dad Hagen were in a car and uh, going down the road, they were stopped at a stoplight. And as they were stopped at the stoplight, there came a man walking across the 
coming across the crosswalk in front of him and he was crippled. And Brother Norville said to Dad Hagen, is it God's man? And Brother Hagen said, yes, if someone will pay the price. Now people will hear that and, and misunderstand what he said because Jesus already paid the price for healing. So what's he mean if someone will pay the price? What he means is someone will pay the price to become skillful with the healing power that is made available to us. All power belongs to us. Why? Because Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. Then he turned around and said, now you go. He turned around and gave the keys of hell and death. And he said, they're in my hand. I have the power. All power has been given unto me. Then he said, now go. So what did he do? He assigned us with that power. What's that mean? We have to become skillful. We have to become skillful with the word, skillful with faith, skillful with prosperity, skillful with skill, skillful with miracles. And just being skillful in one arena doesn't make us skillful in all arenas. That's true. We have to develop skill in every single arena. Yeah. Yeah. I administrated our ministry for well over 20 years. The way I did it is uh, I first had to learn every department. I learned every department. I worked in every department. By working in it, I learned that department from the bottom up. Now I can administrate it. But just because I knew finances doesn't mean I knew the publications department. Just because we know salvation about how to be born again doesn't mean we know how to minister healing. Just because we know how to minister healing doesn't mean we know how to to lay hold of prosperity. We have to become skillful with every single arena. Um, Years ago, in the 90s, My husband was conducting uh, a meeting about an hour north of where we lived in Anaheim. We, Mecula, which is an hour north of San Diego, an hour south of L.A. And so we're right in between those two. And we were in Anaheim, and he had rented a a ladies' auxiliary building to hold a meeting in. And this uh, building was set up like a theater, so it had theater seating and a stage. And the second night he was holding the meeting and he couldn't quite find out, uh, I can't quite get the direction for the service clear in my heart. And so he had this man to keep singing. He had a man there that was doing music and he had him sing song after song after song after song. And he's like seven or eight songs into this, you know. Finally the man said, Brother Dufresne, I don't have any more songs to sing. You know, you've run through my whole library. And so uh, there was a little gal there that played that played the B3 organ. And a B3 organ is different than, a, you know, the church organ. I grew up playing a church organ. So the B3 organ is a little, that's like our, what the rock bands use, you know. And those, the, if you get somebody that's good on that, that really is my husband's anointing. <laughs> there's, there's certain kinds of music for the prophet's office that he walked in that would draw on that anointing. Certain, certain flows of music will shut it down. Though so they sing about Jesus, if it doesn't have the anointing on it, it'll shut it down. And uh, so um, anyway, so this little gal got up and she was good on that B3 organ and he had her to come up and play. And a B3 organ has a separate Leslie and uh, it's, it doesn't come out of the, where the organ is separate one. So you can set that thing anywhere. So it was uh, seated, on, it was sitting on a certain place on the, on the platform and Ed was standing there and all of a sudden uh, he saw into the spirit and he saw a cloud coming out of that that speaker of that organ. 
And that cloud just grew and grew and got larger and larger and more dense and more dense. And when it got completely dense, Jesus stepped out of the cloud and stood in front of him. And he said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. And Ed said when he said that, fire shot out of his eyes. He said there was such displeasure. He said, you think you want to see Jesus. You don't want to see him when fire is shooting out of his eyes at you. And then he said, he said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. Then step back into the cloud and that cloud went back into the organ. And uh, that night Jesus told him or expressed his displeasure at his lack of skill regarding the healing anointing. But so specifically, he was speaking to Ed about the healing anointing. But generally, he was speaking about lack of skill. If not being skillful with the healing anointing, it goes to show if we're not skillful with what we're assigned to, we want to displease him. Amen. We want to become with the word. Skillful with faith. Skillful in serving skillful in the, the, the place in the body of Christ we're to occupy. You know, every single one of it says, the word tells us, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you know that's the only instruction where we are told to lay everyone in the body on the sick? Now, can you lay hands on someone and bless them? Sure you can, but there's no specific instruction to do that. Well, the word gives specific instruction, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's an instruction for every one of us. And every one of us will have to give an account how skillful we were. For miracles, he didn't say it's time for, mir- for ministers to have miracles. Come on. Come on. He said it's time for miracles. Yes. So how are we going to have them? Not just waiting for him to send power. People are missing it by asking God to send power. Oh, God send revival. Oh, God send this, God send that. He's waiting for someone to recognize that the power is here and let's become skillful with it and let's work with it. And he said, it's time for miracles. That means it's time for us to pay attention to what he's declaring. Amen. Hallelujah. You know it or not, your life needs them. Your life needs miracles. What you're born for cannot be accomplished without miracles. This church, the, God, the vision that God has given this church cannot be filled with human ability. It's going to call for miracle power. Every vision that comes from God calls for God power. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you there with me? Turn with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is writing, and he says in verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, Notice this, man's, wisdoms, man's wisdom can entice people. Yeah. Yeah. It'll entice them away from the plan of God, entice them away from the power of God. Yeah. Uh, man's wisdom is no substitute for the power of God. He said, I didn't try to entice you with what I knew. But he says, but, in, but my speech and my preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit and my speech and preaching was in demonstration of power. 
Notice verse five, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Could we say it this way, that your faith should not stand in the mind of man? That your faith should not stand in what you can figure out. That your faith should not stand in what you can calculate. Because there's so much that God offers us that we can't calculate. He said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but that your faith should stand in the power of God. Amen. I believe in the power of God. My faith is in power. The power of God can do for me what my finances cannot do for me. The power of God can do for me what no medical industry can do for me. I appreciate what they can do, but they are nowhere equal to what His power can accomplish for me. And I put my faith in that power. Now, uh, as I said, Dad Hagen was our spiritual dad. And we have purposefully stewarded the revelations that God gave through him so the light doesn't go out on those. Because other generations need to know what God brought to the earth through that man of God. And just because the man left doesn't mean the revelations are irrelevant. They are more relevant because he was assigning really us of how what we needed to have in place so we can move, move forward in the plan of God for this last day era. But Jesus appeared on one, on one time to Dad Hagen, and he said this to him. He said, when I was on the earth, I was the power of God. If people needed power, they had to get where I was. He said, that's why the multitudes thronged me to touch me, because I was the power. And they realized that when they, when they touched me, power tangibly flowed out of me, into them. And he said, but now that the Holy Ghost is present on the earth, He is the power of God. And the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. Therefore, power is present everywhere. You understand that? Power is in your kitchen right now. Power is in your place of business. Power is in your car. Power is present everywhere because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. That's why people can get saved anywhere. Why? Because the power to save is present everywhere because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. Amen. I got saved in my car. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in my car. God told me I was going to marry my husband in my car. When I need to hear from God, I go get in my car. You need to, and I don't say that to be funny. You need to know the patterns of where God speaks to you and repeat the patterns. I cannot make him speak to me in the car, but I can sure put myself in the car and be available. That if he has something to say to me and I need to hear, uh, then I will go put myself in the car. Why? Because God moves by pattern. God operates by pattern. Now, I want to tell you this. Uh, the devil is an imitator of God. There's nothing original in him. All he can do is see how God works and imitate it. Therefore, he too works by pattern. 
people mistakenly call it generational curses. It's not generational curse. When you see a, the, somebody will say, well, my granddad died of this and my dad died of this and my uncle died of this. They all died of the same thing. But it's a generational curse. We are no longer under the no curse. Longer. Christ has redeemed yeah. us from the curse. Yeah. We're not under a curse. The devil's working a pattern. Right. Yes. 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 Amen. And we're authorized to stop the devil's yes. patterns. Amen. 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 And so uh, he said, because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere, the power of God is present everywhere. That means you don't have to wait to come to church to have pastor pray for you. It's fine if you want to do that, but you don't have to. And can I tell you this? Every time you rely on someone else's faith, you lose skill. You gain skill when you operate your faith with the Word of God. I endeavor to have a growing faith. I endeavor to have a developed faith, a maturing faith. But I don't have anything special any more than anybody else. I'm just developing what I have. Amen. 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 How do you do it? Faith comes by hearing. You feed on the Word of God and you act on the Word of God. And I tell you, when I became a widow, it put me in a whole nother level of I'm so glad I did not use my spiritual life leaning on others. Because when I didn't just come under the umbrella of my husband's faith, he was a man of faith. He was a man who operated in a high spiritual office. But I'll say this, I was not content just to be in the shadow of his faith. I wanted my own faith. Because I'm going to need how to receive by myself with my own faith. Can you receive from someone else's faith? Their faith can help lay hold of something, but what you receive from them can be lost in private. So if you receive something because of someone else's faith, just make sure that you don't continue in a flow of weakness so that that thing is robbed from you when you're not around them. Amen. And so I want you to know the power of God is present in your home. That means you're authorized to lay hands on your babies. You're authorized to say, devil, you take your hands off my husband. You take your hands off our business. You take your hands off our finances. And I don't have to wait for a pastor to give me the okay to say that. Like I said, thank God for the pastoral office, but don't lay down your your opportunity to gain skill with the power of God. Amen. When you become skillful with the power that's available to you every day, think of how powerful a local body becomes when everyone comes to church skillful. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not about getting God to give power. It's about us becoming skillful with the power that is available. I, uh, when I was in fifth grade, my mother uh, sent me to a lady and I started taking piano lessons. There were four kids in our family. Mother always wanted a pianist and I was the fourth one. I was her last hope. <laughs> my oldest brother was quite a, he was a great musician. He was a classical guitar major in college. And I mean, he, he was phenomenal on the guitar. Plus he sang, he could pick up any instrument and play it. But me, mother took me to, then my, my other brother and sister, they were the athletes of the family. My oldest brother and I were the musicians of the family. And so uh, there was a piano in our home for years. And you know what? It was present, but I couldn't play it just because it was present. 
I had to practice. I had to, I had to study. I had to be taught. I had to be a good student, which means I had to be teachable. I had to listen. And in that, I developed a skill, and that piano started doing things that that piano could have done all the time if someone with skill would have touched it. See, too many times people are waiting for God to do something and God's waiting for someone with skill to lay hold of the power and put it to use. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This will change your prayer life. You quit asking God to send this. Quit asking God to send that. Quit asking God to do this. Quit asking God to do that. It's fine to ask Him regarding things that He has not already assigned, but if it's something that's already yours in Christ, it's not about you asking. It's about you violently taking your faith and laying hold and said, I'm not living without this anymore. It's made available to me and I'm taking it. Amen. Uh, we all can quote the scripture, and, and really we've heard it for years, and it's a great scripture, that when we stand before Jesus, we, wanna, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But so much of the time people say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And they focus, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful, but I want to be good. Could we say it this way? Well done, thou skillful and faithful servant. Because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about your behavior with good. He's talking about your skill level. If you're an employee and you're a good employee, you know what that means? You're skillful at your job. If you're a good employee, you're skilled with your position. There is no promotion to someone who's not skillful in their profession. Amen. People are waiting to be promoted. They want to be promoted. The way to get promoted is become skillful. Can I tell you the way to be promoted out of lack into abundance is become skillful. The way to be promoted out of sickness into health is to become skillful. You think, well, I thought when I was saved, it, it just belonged to me. It does belong to you, but it moves towards skill. It's skill that puts these powers to work. It's skill that puts these anointings to work. Amen. So when he said it's time for miracles, it's not time for miracles on his side. It's time for us to become skillful with miracle power on our side. Amen. That means we quit leaning on someone else to do our praying. We quit looking to someone else to lay hold of things. And I'm so thankful that I had not spent my life leaning on my husband's faith. He enhanced my faith. He taught me. He was a Bible school to me. But he, I did not rely on him for my success in life. Why? And I'm so grateful I didn't because what would have happened to my life the day he exited the earth if I would have been a leaner? But I had to have skill. Amen. I want you to know to live the best life, it's not about having more power. It's about having more skill with the power. Amen. Amen. So Jesus said to dad Hagen, he said, when the, the Holy Ghost is the power of God now. So the power of God is present everywhere because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. Now, let me tell you this. There's power that's unseen and unfelt. And sometimes with Holy Ghost power, we can feel it. But even if we don't, it's still present. In a service, 
you may be more apt to feel the power of God, the anointing of God that comes into tangibility. But it doesn't matter whether you feel it or you see it or not, it is still present because the Holy Ghost is always present. Amen. Amen. When did he become present? It's called the day of Pentecost. It's called, that's the day he changed residences and left heaven. See, people don't realize that uh, uh, the Holy Ghost has paid a price. He left heaven to come live here with us. Uh, and, And we've never been on an earth without the Holy Ghost being present. But under the old covenant, the earth was without the presence of the Holy Ghost. The only place God was present was in the Holy of Holies. But on, when Jesus died, that temple, that, to, that yeah. curtain got ripped in two as a sign. I'm not confined to yeah. four walls anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. Yeah. I don't care whether I feel it or see it or not. The, the power is present. The yeah. power yeah. To, to address your need yeah. is present. Yeah. Yeah. Dad Hagen went on to say this. Excuse me, Jesus went on to say this to Dad Hagen. He said, because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere, power is present everywhere. Then he said this, there's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one if they only knew it was present and would give it action. So notice this. Power calls for two things. You have to believe it's present and you have to give it action. Just because it's present doesn't mean it's in manifestation. It doesn't mean it's moving. One day, Brother Copeland, he had just gotten back from uh, Lima, Peru, and he called me and he said, Nancy, I wanted to tell you about something that happened in my convention there. He said they were in a big auditorium. And he said... uh, He said, right down the block from the convention was a hospital. And he said, there was a woman in one of the hospital rooms that had a growth on her body, a cancerous growth, and she was dying. The doctor happened to be in her room at this time of the day. And all of a sudden she said, I'm burning up. I'm so hot. And he could see her face look flushed. He said, my body's just burning up. He didn't know he was examining her. He didn't know what's the cause of this. And he examines uh, the part of the body where the tumor could be felt. And he goes, it's not there. And they ran further tests and that every bit of that tumor's gone. There's no symptoms in her body. Her body has completely lined up. She's completely healed. They dismissed her from the hospital. She's walking from the hospital to her house. To get there, she has to pass the convention center. So she sees this sign outside about a meeting going on. So she stops and goes in, and Brother Copeland is giving the altar call, and she just walks down the aisle and gets saved at the altar call. So notice this, that power that was present in her hospital room. Notice this, it raised her up. And that's what Jesus said. There's enough power present in every sick room, in every hospital room. Now notice he didn't say it's in every sick room of every Christian. He didn't say it's in every hospital room of every Christian. He said it's present in every sick room. And I said, Brother Copeland, I said, do you not remember in Maria Woodworth Eder's book, 
she talks about that in one crusade particularly, that as they were holding a meeting in a 50-mile radius body, within that 50-mile radius fell out under the power of God. <laughs> they would be in their homes and fall out in the power of God. Some were falling out of the burdens and off their horses on the road. They were laying on the side of the road <laughs> under the power of God. I said the power, when someone activates it in a radius, it won't just bless you. It'll go out and bless those in proximity to you. When you become skillful with power, it doesn't just affect you. It affects people that are near your life. It affects those that are close to you. And if we don't become skillful, people who need it around us don't get it. Amen. Power is waiting for skill added to it. Now, as I said, power can be unseen and unfelt. Anybody ever gone to a dentist? You go to a dentist and uh, they say, we're going to take some x-rays. And they lay this apron across your vital organs. <laughs> Does that like make a flag go up for anybody? They take this apron and they lay it over your vital organs. And then you, they leave. Anybody pay attention? They walk out of the room. And they push a button that's in another room and they leave you alone with the power. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why? You don't see it, feel it, but it's still power. Seen, unfelt, it's still working. Just because you might not feel the power of God doesn't mean it's not working. Too many times, God don't feel any different. The moment he's faith, power always flows. Amen. When I lay hands on somebody or you lay hands on someone and release faith, power always begins to flow, whether we feel it, whether we see it. When you're at home and have a situation that you need to have the power of God on, you and your, you and your spouse may grab hands and begin to pray and release your faith. You don't have to feel anything, but the moment you release your faith, that power that is present always begins to operate. And you say, well, if it always begins, how come the answer doesn't always show up? Because you have to keep the switch of faith turned on for that power that began moving to continue moving until the manifestation of what you're believing for. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe in the power of God. And this is what Paul was talking about, that you would have faith in the power of God. Notice what Jesus said. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one if they only know it's present. This is what Paul's addressing. Believe in the power of God. Know that it's present. And would give it action. I have been preaching in our church for several weeks, years ago, on the power of God that was present. And week after week, I was preaching on it, and I was endeavoring to get people. See, my job is to put an expectation on the people. I expect you to use this. I expect you to grow up. I expect you to develop. I expect you to develop your faith. We're not here to turn you into a spiritual cripple just relying on us. We're here to show you and and, and demonstrate to you so that you can develop and then go out and be a blessing to someone else. Amen. Amen. 
And so I was teaching them, you start putting a demand. You start becoming skillful with that power for yourself. And so uh, I was teaching the power, it's present, it's present. Well, I was getting ready to preach about the fourth Sunday in a row on this topic. And uh, before I got up to preach, out of my spirit came these words. And I just said it before my mind even had time to catch up with what I was saying. And I found myself walking from side to side of the platform going and saying this, uh, let the power fall. And then I'd walk over here and say, let the power fall. And then I'd walk over there and saying, let the power fall. And this went on for many minutes, just going back and forth because this was coming out of my spirit. Well, it was confusing me that it, of what I was saying because I said, God, I've been teaching them that the power is present, but yet now I'm hearing coming out of my mouth, let the power fall. Meaning, is it, not, is it present or is it not present? <laughs> Have I been teaching this wrong or what? And I'm, while I'm saying this, I'm having a conversation inside. Now, see, they thought I was all in charge, and here I am having this conversation. And God, in a moment of time, He gave me this illustration to clarify it for me. He said, it's like a child's birthday party. They may have a pinata there, and in that pinata, it's full of candy or toys or treats. And that pinata is hung there in the room. And the whole time they're having that party, that piñata's there. It's present. But no one's partaking of what is contained in it. That piñata has to be opened up. That piñata has to, something has to open that piñata up so that what's in it flows. And he said, yes, the power is present. But just because it's present, no one benefits from what's present until it's in manifestation. It has to flow. He didn't say it has to be felt. It has to flow. And then he said this to me. He said, a child takes a stick, hits that pinata, and if they hit it just right, now if they don't hit it just right, it won't open up. Isn't that right? They take turns at hitting at it until someone hits it just right. It's not just any old thing that caused the power to flow. You can't just come and say, oh God, I have a need. That's not what causes the power to flow. Listen, your need is not what causes the power to flow. God doesn't heal you just because you need healing. God doesn't supply you financially just because you need it. He supplies it because faith put a demand on it. Needs don't put a demand on it. Faith puts a demand on it. People think, well, you know, I need it. And if I cry and let God know I need it. No, no, that's not what activates the power. That's not hitting the power just right. You've got to strike the power. And so God said to me, when the child strikes that pinata just right, that thing opens up. And notice this, it's not just the one who struck it that gets to gather up the stuff. The ones who are just in proximity. Just be present where that power is flowing, where that's in manifestation, and you get to gather it up. And he said to me, he said, words of faith are the stick that strikes the power of God. Amen. Is it any wonder he said, let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. Those words are the stick in your hand that strikes that power. 
When you say those words out of your mouth, that's the same thing as the stick in the hand in that child with yeah. that child. And when you say the right thing, that power that's already present will start falling into your situation. It will start moving into your situation. Can you think of a situation in your life that needs the power right now? I can think of a lot in mine that need it. Why? Because he's called me to things that are only going to be able to be accomplished by his power. My finances can't accomplish it. My own education cannot accomplish it. There are things that he has called every one of us to fulfill that cannot be accomplished by our own ability, but his power is here to accomplish it. And our job is to release our faith in that power. Amen. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of God. When things start going wrong, start talking about the power. I said, start talking about the power. Whenever uh, my youngest son, he was about three weeks old, my husband was on the road and uh, he, uh, my youngest son started, you could hear his his lungs weren't right. Something was wrong with his breathing. And uh, so I took him to the doctor and the doctor said to me, he said, uh, Nancy, he said, I'm calling the hospital you drive right over there, don't you? Go home, you go right over, I'm admitting this baby. And he he checked him out and there were symptoms there that he didn't like. So uh, I went over to the hospital and they put us in a room and it had a baby crib in it and it had a rocking chair in it. And so they put a little hospital gown on him. And then the nurse came in and she said, the doctor just called and said he's been delayed one hour. But he told us, don't give the baby any treatments. Don't give him any kind of medication. I need his symptoms to help diagnose his problem. And if you start giving him medication, it's going to affect and adjust the symptoms, and I need the symptoms. They help me diagnose him. And so she said his fever was raging and all kinds of stuff, and they said, we're, we're sorry, we can't do anything. We're not neglecting you. But he said he'll, it'll be an hour before he can get here. So uh, they left the room, and so I picked him up out of the crib, and I sat in the rocking chair, and I said, Jesus, your word says believe the prophets and you'll prosper. I said, I believe the prophet, Brother Hagen, that you appeared to him, and you said there's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room. I said, Jesus, I'm in one of those hospital rooms, so the power must be here. See? What am I talking? I'm talking about what I want, not what I got. Not talking about. I did not start bringing up the problem. I started bringing up the solution, the help, the answer. So I said, Jesus, I'm in one of those sick rooms. I'm in one of those hospital rooms. So that must mean the power's here. I believe in the power that's present in this room. But can I tell you this? There's not only power present in the room, it's in you. There's power in you. But think about it. There's power in us, above us, beneath us, to the right, to the left. And we have problems? No, we don't have problems. We have lack of skill. Because skill annihilates problems. When we're skillful, well done, thou good and 
skillful and faithful. Now, can I tell you this? I've had, I've had staff members in the past, precious people, but they didn't have the skill I needed. <laughs> there was one person I'm thinking of in particular. He's still with me. He's a precious man. But he kept doing something. He was faithful at it, but he did it faithfully wrong. Every time he did it, this one thing in the department, he was faithful, but he wasn't good at it because he kept doing it wrong. So many think that just says, well done, thou good and faithful, skillful. God doesn't need you faithful if you're not skillful. He needs faithfulness of skill. Amen. Faithfulness of skill. So I'm sitting there in that hospital room and I said that, those words to him, that power is present. I believe in the power. So I release my faith and I speak for that power that's present, you flow. Yeah. You flow into my baby's body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Thank now thank you, Father, that that power's now moving. Yeah. I didn't feel it. He didn't say anything to me. I didn't hear it because I'm not moved by whether power is seen and felt. I'm moved by what I believe. It's a faith issue. It's not a feeling issue. I don't have to feel it to know it. And so I believe that power is working from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. That moment, how many of you know it only takes a moment to release your faith in the power that's present? Now what we've got is from the time you release your faith to the time that power manifests the healing that you need, now you've got a span of time. This is where people win or lose their victory. What do you do during the span of time? During the passing of time? Let me tell you the bulk of your faith life is, first of all, you have to get faith. Faith comes by hearing. Too many times people are trying to release and act on faith that they haven't yet gotten yet. Every day, feed your faith. Feed your faith and then you can act. Then you can speak. People will say this faith stuff doesn't work. No, it doesn't work on empty. You have to have word in you. You have to have faith in you. Amen. It's not enough that you know faith principles. You've got to have the Word in you. You've got yeah. to be hearing the Word. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't believe in work stuff. This isn't work stuff, baby. Jesus did the works. That's yeah. right. Come on. This is us becoming skillful yeah. with the work He did. Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. This is called the work of believing. Yeah. Remember the disciples said to Jesus, what must we do that we might do the works of God? He said, this is the work of God that you believe. The work of believing is you become skillful with the word. You become skillful with knowing what's yours. You become skillful at releasing it. So once I release my faith in the power of God, now I've got almost an hour to sit there. Now what am I going to do? Am I going to sit and listen to the devil and imagine the worst and let my imagination just run off with me? If you're going to have a strong faith, you you have to have a disciplined thought life. Can I tell you that? You cannot have strong faith with an undisciplined mind. You have to discipline your thought life. So what am I going to do while I'm sitting there just for almost an hour after I've released my faith? What am I doing? I'm saying, 
I imagine, I see the power of God working. And I just worshiped God. I said the bulk of our time of victory is in worship. But don't worship till you've released your faith. Won't do you any good to start saying, to, to say, I worship you, I worship you. You have the authority and you better release your faith in that authority. You understand? There was... Uh, and too many times people, and worship is good and worship is right. Worship is one way to release your faith, believe me. But I tell you what, you have to use your authority and add your, add your, add your worship to that. There's this uh, one situation to where a, uh, a minister, he had, his, he had a daughter and several staff members years and years ago, decades ago. And... Uh, they, they were in his, in his plane, and the pilot made a gross error. He took off on empty. He had some fuel in the reserve tanks, but don't rely on fuel in your reserve tank on takeoff. So he just thought it would flip over. Well, it wouldn't, not on takeoff. So they basically took off on empty. And so they're just barely up, and they, he realizes it's not flipping over, and so... They're going down. And he turns to everyone in the plane and says, pray, we're going down. Every one of them except one took off praying in tongues. Well, it seems right to pray in tongues, doesn't it? But the one and every single one of them died except the one who did something different. The one who did something different says, Satan, you take your hands off this plane. See, everybody else started praying in tongues. Tongues is not for you to take authority over the devil with. You have to use your authority. You speak to the devil in your language. You say, you take your hands off my finances. You take your hands off my baby. Take your authority first. Then release your faith in the power of God. Amen. And the one who took authority lived. Everyone else who prayed in tongues died. Why? Because tongues is not how you take authority. Right. Now, there is an authority in tongues, yes. and it has a function in the spirit realm, but you have to use your knowledge of the Word. Yes, yes, yes. When Jesus said, it is written, He started speaking to stuff when it tried to get out of order. So uh, the whole time after I've released my faith in that power, then I'm sitting there, I'm worshiping God. I'm imagining the power as a substance going through his body. See, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You don't cast down all imaginations. God gave you your imagination. Exalt the imaginations that exalt the knowledge of God, but cast down the imaginations that are against the knowledge of God. So I imagined that power is a substance going through his body. And I just imagine it. Why? Because I'm keeping my mind busy so the devil can't interject himself into it. That's one way I disciplined my thought life. I imagined the power working. So for the next 50 minutes or so, that's all I'm doing is I'm worshiping God and I'm imagining that power working. I'm not imagining what what the report may be. I'm not imagining what the doctor may say. At the end of an hour or so, the doctor comes in, examines the baby. He said, there's nothing wrong with this baby. You can go home. Thank you very much. 
Why? I put a demand on the power that was there all along. And it doesn't, Jesus, when he said there's enough power in every sick room and every hospital room, he didn't say how far gone. What, what if they're only moments away? There's enough power to raise them up is what he said, to raise them up. Well, you know, they're close to death. There's enough power to raise up is what he said. How close are your finances to ruin? There's enough power. It doesn't matter how close we are to ruin. If we have faith in the power that's present, the power is enough to raise us up from the point of ruin. Whether it's financial ruin, whether it's ruin, whatever the ruin is, there's enough power if we release our faith in it. But we have to use our faith and quit relying on someone else's faith. Amen? Can you think of things in your life that need the power? Hallelujah. Then I'll close with this tonight. We, uh, years ago, my husband and I uh, and my family, we'd gone several times, but on this one particular time, we went to Maui to preach because someone must go preach there. Someone must go into all the world. <laughs> so we had been over there several times. At this one particular time, we took our, our sons and my oldest son was married. We didn't have our grandkids yet. And, and uh, so we're over there on, on our side of the island. The power went out for days. And so, which is no big deal to me. I was raised in Oklahoma, you know, with three television channels, you know. Remember those days and rabbit ears, you know, an antenna on top of the house and you had to turn the antenna just right to even get the channels. Anybody remember that? Those were the days, baby. You had to have someone at the, at the TV, someone at the door, then someone on the roof, right? So the one at the door could yell up to the one on the roof to, nope, 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 go back, go back, go back. Remember that? But my kids with their devices that could not be charged now, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh, you may just have to talk to us. I mean, that, wouldn't that be just horrific if you had to talk to your parents? Oh my gosh. And so thankfully my hair was short because there was no, you know, hair dryer or curler thing that would work. Nothing would work. And so you had to plan around no power. You know, we still got church. You still had to plan how you're going to look with no power. What steps are you going to take with no power? Yeah, you better not wait till dark to put on your makeup. You better, you better put it on early enough. It's gloomy outside, but at least while there's enough light, you have to plan for no power, right? So we didn't realize it at the time, but the first night when we got over to the church that was on the other side of the island, we go, oh, this side of the island has power. <laughs> We're on the side of the island that had no power. You could just look out at the congregation and tell <laughs> what side of the island you just came from. Why? Because people who had power, they looked like they had power. People who didn't have power, they looked like they didn't have power. It is not right that our lives look like it does not have power. It is not right. But as a pastor, 
I can look out at my congregation and tell who has been activating the power and who has not. God can look at our lives and know. And us waiting for him to do something and him saying, are you kidding? I put the power in you. I put it around you. I gave you a church that has power. I gave you a pastor with the anointing on his life. All of these things are around us 24 hours a day to ensure our success. What's the power waiting on? Knowledge. Knowledge and skill. But what does it say over in Habakkuk? Is it that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Could I not say this? Lack of skill with the power. Notice my people are destroyed. Notice the devil's not mentioned. Ignorance is every man's mountain. And if we want to get rid of the mountain, gain knowledge and gain skill with that knowledge. Amen? And this is why Paul said that your faith would stand in the power of God. Why? Because it's present and it's waiting for you. Amen. Amen. Waiting for your faith to show up. Amen. Amen. Are you blessed tonight? Hallelujah. I don't care what you're facing. There's power enough here to change it. There's power enough in your home to change it. The wonderful thing about it, when we come together, there's a corporate anointing. Yeah. There's corporate power. So that's, if, I, if we could say this, have you ever seen like just your phone, it just has one power cord, you know, you put to the wall. But have you ever seen these big, huge appliances? They got a wad. They have a bundle. And they wind those together. Why? Greater power. That's what corporate anointing is. It's everyone's faith. In the power of God, wired together, you can receive what you need. Don't leave this place tonight without power activated toward your need. Amen. I'm waiting for God to do it. No, 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 no. He's waiting for you to lay hold of what He's already made available. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. We're so grateful to know the power of God belongs to us. The power of God is present. Say this with me. I believe, I believe in the power of God. Power of God. It's, in me. it's in me. It's around me. It's present in my home. It's present everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Enough power Enough to power. change every situation. Change every situation. And so, Father... I believe in that power. I lift up before you that need, that situation that's in my life. I want you to know, I believe that that power is enough to bring, situa- to bring victory to that situation, to bring healing to the body, to bring supply to the finances, to bring peace to the mind, to bring help to every situation. Now, I, what I want you to do, I want you, I want you to call out just with your own mouth your situation that needs the power. I want you to assign it. So we're all going to lift up our voices, lift up our hands, and we're going to 
use our own faith, our own words, our own mouth. Amen? So let's say that together. Whatever it is you need, Father, I thank you for the power of God. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. I thank you, Father, for the power of God that's working in their situations right now, working in their bodies, working in their finances, working in their homes, working in their families, working in their businesses, what they need, Father, to flow in every situation of their life. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of God. I believe it's working right now. It's flowing right now in the situations. We believe in that power and our words of faith are striking that power, causing that power to become active and flow and move into that situation. We thank you for it, Father. 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 Now let me ask you this. Is the power greater than your need? Then had, did you release your faith in that power? Now you know what that means? No need for worry anymore. No room for worry anymore. No room for, oh, I'm concerned about... That means the conversations around the dinner table have to change. Amen. No more talking about the problem, but just saying, honey, you know what? The power of God's working on that right now. Now, don't get duped into thinking that the power only has an instantaneous effect. Can it? Sure. But over time, it can just work and work and work and work and work and work. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is a performer. I said the Holy Spirit is a performer. You talk about the power and He'll perform. The day we talk about it is the day He performs it. The day we quit talking about it is the day He has to stop performing it. So let's keep talking about the powers working in that. Powers working around my children. The powers working around those loved ones. The power of God is working in our business right now. The power of God's working in my body right now. It's working. Well, and the devil will say, nothing's changed. No, no, no. I'm not focused on change or not. Listen, because my body, I don't check my body for healing. You want to know why? Because healing doesn't flow from the body. The body is the recipient of healing. It's not the source of it. Why check something? I check the source. What's the source? The Word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you don't feel any different. No, no, no. This power is unseen. This power is unfelt. I don't have to feel it to know it's moving. I don't have to feel it to know it's operating. It's waiting for my faith to activate it. Amen. It's not activated because I feel it. It's activated because I believe it. Hallelujah. You can do this in the middle of the night. You can do this when you wake up in the morning and something is pressing on you. You can do this when the children, you wake up and one of them doesn't feel good. Right there, put your skill to work. Right there, become more skillful. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We magnify you. Now, all day that, that anointing, I could feel it tangibly in my hand. So we want to receive of that power. Who in here, just you can raise your hand if this applies to you. There's been lumps in your breast. I don't know whether they're 
you know, whether they're just growth or whatever. Anybody in here, you've had lumps in your breast. Just right now, that power is here to receive, to receive healing. Be free from that in Jesus' name. Every bit of that. Every bit of that. Every bit of that. Every, just say, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's someone that you've had pain behind the eyes and it's been like a headache that seems to settle in the area right behind the eyes. I don't know if it's like eye pressure or what, that something, something with headaches behind the eyes. Who is that? Respond to that. Receive of that. Hallelujah. Right over here. That power is working right now. Just, but you have to receive it. So you say, I receive that power. I receive. See, it's not about getting God to give it. He's already given it. It's about getting us to receive it. This, this, this precious lady back on the back, receive that power of God right now, right now behind to deal with those headaches behind the eyes. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Something around this area, uh, around your waist, there's some kind of difficulty in this region. It seems to be, I don't know what it is. And it almost seems like almost there's a tightening. If somebody had a, had a, had, had a rope around your waist and just tightening it and something, something in that region of the body that's been having pain, raise your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over here, love, just receive. That power is working right now. See, that's why he's having me to call it out. And you say, well, doesn't he know who it's for? Yes, he knows who it's for. You say, well, why doesn't he say that and just do it general? Because if I call names, then it's limiting it to that person. But if I just call out the condition, it's available to faith. It's not just available to Mary or to Jane or to whoever. It's available to faith. And that's why very seldom God can call names and he's had me to do that at times, but he's not just making it available to one. He's making it available to faith. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know something about here. This little lady in the, you've got the black with the white, this have you been having any physical situations? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, let me, let me just, can I scoot in in front of you? I'll just come back to you. I'll just come back to you. Father, we thank you. We thank, uh, hold in right there. Yeah. I saw something just, the power of God just settling right in this region. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your power working in her body. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Father. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. Who is it that you've had pain in your ears? I don't know if it's from infections. I don't know if there's been some um, balance issues, but there's something with the ears. Who is that? Hallelujah. Just raise your hand. Let us know. You have to respond to that power for it to do its work. Over here, are you just, yeah, is, is it you, love? Hallelujah. Just raise up your hands. Anybody just receive that. Father, I thank you for healing power right now, working. Just receive that. Just say, I receive it in Jesus' name. See, many times people are trying to get God to give it when it's just waiting for them to receive it. It's not the act of giving that's the problem. It's the act of receiving. And too many times we bypass that, that act of receiving. You say, how do I receive? Say, I believe I receive it right now. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you. Who, who's collarbone? It's something with someone's collarbone. Who is that? I don't know if it's been injured. I don't know if there's just pain in that area. Something around uh, collarbone. I don't know if it's ever been fractured or broken. Anything in this area. Who is that? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And then there's something about uh, brittle bones. Something with brittle bones, osteoporosis or something. Anybody that, that, that pertains to you? Anybody raise your hand and respond to that. You say, well, are, are you going to be embarrassed if nobody answers? No, because mine are fine. <laughs> mine are fine. Mine are fine. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, we're so thankful, Father. Isn't he a wonderful healer? He's such a wonderful healer. Who is it in here that you've been having? Now, I don't call this out by word of knowledge. I call this out by endowment because there's an endowment on me to minister to people with heart problems, heart conditions. So if there's anybody in here with heart problems, heart conditions, come up here and I'll minister to you. Could be high blood pressure, anything to do with the heart. Maybe a valve isn't working right. Maybe there's clogged, whatever. Whatever. Come on up. Come on up, love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I saw the anointing on you back there, working on you already. Come on up, love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Congregation, just reach your hands out toward these. Reach your hands out toward these. Father, we thank you. Now, how many of you know when hands are laid on you, you have to receive it? Amen. You have to receive it. It's not enough to just come up and answer. You have to take it in. You have to receive it. And you don't take it in with your mind. You take it in with your heart. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Be healed. In, there it goes in your love. Healed in Jesus' name. Be healed. There it goes into your love. Healed in Jesus' name. What, what is it with you? Just a heart condition is your only situation, love, or is there something else? Uh-huh. Okay. I speak to that blood be normal in Jesus' name. Be healed in your heart. Father, we thank you for a new one. We thank you for a new one in Jesus' name. You know, angels will bring body parts from heaven. Why? They're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. They'll minister new parts. Amen, if we'll receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Healed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Healed in Jesus' name. There that went in you, love. There it went in you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Healed in Jesus' name. There it goes in you, love. Be healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift up your hands and let's worship Him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This 
this lovely lady, let me have your hands if I could. Just let me have your hands because uh, it just seems to me God's going to use your hands to just, um, when he directs you to, you can just take people by the hands like this and power, virtue will flow. And it'll, it'll work something in their body. It will uh, impartation, an impartation they need. Anything that God has for them that they have need of. So just obey God when He leads you to put your hands on somebody or just take someone's hand and power will flow. I'm reminded how Dad Hagen talked about, I don't know if you know his testimony or not, but when he was dying on his deathbed as a young teenage boy, and he said somebody would be in the room and they'd hold his hand, and he said this before he's even saved, and he said I could feel virtue going out of their body into my body. He said it wasn't healing power. He said it was just life because there's life in all of us. And he said that virtue of life was flowing out of their body into my body. And he said it hold my body here. Every, every human being has that. You, have, you know, haven't you had it to where you have your back to the door and somebody walks in the room and you, somebody walked in. What was that? That's a virtue of life. Walking in seeing you sense that. And it's a very tangible, real thing. In many cases, and uh, how much more the power of God, yeah. the life of God, yes. that can flow and in, go into someone's life and bless them and make impartations. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. So love, that's an impartation into you to impart to others. Yeah, as He leads you and directs you. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We're hungry, Father. We're so hungry. We're so, so hungry. We're so, so hungry. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Isn't Jesus such a wonderful healer? Remember when there were 10 lepers? And one of them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and came and fell at his feet. Remember that? What that shows us appropriate response to receiving. Many don't hold on to and keep what they receive because they didn't respond properly after. So uh, we want to be like the one who returned to give thanks. So let's just do that. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. Thank you for help tonight. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for answers. Thank you for the light. And we purpose to be doers of these wonderful things of your word. And we thank you for healing power. We thank you for that power that's working in us. We refuse to be inactive toward that power. But we employ that power. Can I tell you this? Put it to work every day. Yes. Put it to work every day. Every day. You say, how do I do that? First of all, say, I believe in the power of God. Yes. Amen. When you wake up, I believe in the power of God to me. It's working in me. It's working in my body. It's working in my home. It's working in my children. You know what Peter said? He said, you're kept by the power of God through faith. Yes. What's that mean? It's your faith that activates the power that'll keep you. Yes. 
When I get on an airplane, I don't start binding this and binding that and telling the devil you can't have this and you can't have that. I don't, say, I don't get on the negative side of confession or prayer. I don't say what I'm against. I say what I'm for. I don't have to bind this and bind that. and bind, now if, the, if, if the Holy Ghost told me to, I would. But I'm just not going to randomly out of fear that something's going to happen, start binding stuff, that this won't happen to my children and that won't happen. I don't. All of that's motivated by, by fear. You know what I say when I get on a plane? I'm kept by the power of God. You know what that means? If angels have to get employed, they will. Why? They are expressions of the power of God. They, they are simply expressions of God's power. Amen. So you can live your life mindful of the power. Put it to work every day. And then you're not just left to live by human power by natural power, but you draw on divine power. It, why? It's in you. It's around you. It's in your home. It's in your car. It's in your place of business. It's everywhere you go. Is it flowing everywhere? No. But when you get there and you use words of faith, it can flow where you're at. Amen. Pastor, thank you. Um, that was awesome. You know, I was thinking as she was uh, wrapping up there at the end, um, several years ago when I was faced with a, with a, just a life 